I have come here to Krakowie, and I'm all out of bubble. Really licked his ass. Are you watching closely? Hello and welcome to Midnight Showing. I'm Nash, that's Luke, and this week the movie we watched at midnight was Martin Scorsese's After Hours. Was it worth it? That's what we're here to tell you, and don't worry, we will notify you before we start spoiling. So, Luke, what the hell is this movie about? Set After Hours. (laughs) (laughs) We follow Paul Hackett. (laughs) Our introduction to Paul leads us to believe he is a distracted man who's often looking for something to spice up the night as his job isn't exactly exciting. Unfortunately for Paul, this want of adventure will soon turn out to be a near-death sentence for him as he enters a taxi cab to take him across New York to meet up with the girl he met in a diner a few hours beforehand. His night gets continuously worse as he meets more and more strange characters of the night, soon wanting to do nothing but get home back safe to his mundane life working that desk job. Yeah, and as far as trailers go, it's pretty good, I think. Um... It's not really too noteworthy. It explains the concept of the movie from one scene in particular he has, but they add sort of little clips from the movie in between, so it's a little bit longer than the actual scene. It lets you know it's going on without giving away anything good, so, you know. Plus on the trailer, I guess. Ooh, fire. (laughs) Uh, This movie was written by Joseph Minion. Uh, He wrote Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage and The Office. 1981, the short film. (laughs) (laughs) I I like took one direction, then went and totally a different one. And the director, I mean, he's a guy. He's made some movies, I guess. Uh, (laughs) I don't think any. I don't think anything too noteworthy from this Scorsese guy. Yeah, no, no, nothing noteworthy at all from Scorsese. Scorsese. With a name like that, you think he'd be good at doing like mob movies? Maybe he should really look into that. Probably a market he missed in his in his career. Yeah, he probably could have hit that pretty well if he hasn't already. Uh, Anyway, this movie is jam packed with characters. Almost. Start railing them off real quick. We got Griffin Dunn as Paul Hackett, our lead. We got Rosanna Arquette as Marcy, Verna Bloom as June, Linda Forientino as Kiki, Terry Gar as Julie, John Hurt as Tom the Bartender, Catherine O'Hara as Gail. Um, those two characters are actually Kevin McAllister's parents in Home Alone. So I thought it was funny that both of his parents were in this movie. And then we got uh, Cheech and Chong as Pepe and Neil. And I must say, it's hilarious when they're in the movie because you almost have to like double take. Like, wait, dude, is that Cheech and Chong? Because <laughs> they're there for like, yeah. the first second. <laughs> yeah, definitely when they're first second, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> Because you only see him for a minute when they first appear. Um, Theme for this movie, it's a little difficult um, just because I feel like comedies kind of typically are, but I I feel like 
we agreed on it's sort of experiencing the world of the unknown. I'll agree with that with a lot of references to uh, movies and films and stories like the Odyssey, for example, or um, I know that Wizard of Oz is a big one that a lot of people discuss. It's kind of obvious. So kind of like that idea of a character going on a long journey, not being able to get home. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. It's fair addition. So before we start spoiling, uh, this movie, Luke, are we going to give it a thumbs up or down? I'm a thumbs up. I thought it was pretty, pretty well made from that Scorsese guy. Yeah, I'm going to give it a thumbs up as well. Um, not two thumbs up. Not two, <laughs> one, another. It's kind of like Croupier last week where like I definitely liked it, but I also have no idea what the hell was going on. So hopefully we can get into it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, before we get into it, we have this. Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let, you know, Luke, Luke, let's, let's bring in that title we've been doing recently. <laughs> we've been on a good track with that. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually following that. After Hours. Um, um, it's After Hours. <laughs> it is. What does that mean, After Hours? <laughs> well, I mean... But I think specifically towards the workday, possibly because the movie starts with the workday and ends back with that workday. So not only does it take place at night after hours for a lot of places, but kind of specifically towards maybe your life, like like during the day, you know, like once the lights turn off, things can get a little weird for everybody. You know, like we come we come out at night. So maybe maybe kind of after hours in the sense of like this isn't your normal daily activities. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point to make. The title, I honestly think, is probably one of the best titles for a movie like we've had in a while, just because it does, After Hours does have sort of a poetic meaning behind it, where it could represent, it's beyond the usual. I think that's definitely a, a very good thing to note here, especially with, you'll see a lot of people online talking about, um how especially scorsese himself talking about sort of like that ferryman aspect of the movie and like you brought up when we first see him in the office um he seems like a knower of things right he's helping that guy you know use the computer actually knows what to type into it so we can see there's clear comfort in his normal day um but once we get past that very quickly, he has no control. You know, I, I almost would define him as a bit of a distracted protagonist in that beginning. Kind of like what you just said, where like he's very settled in his job. He's teaching the other guy how to do it. And the guy starts telling him about his idea for a magazine and he can barely even pay attention. So it's I, I kind of felt like the first scene of this movie was really great for establishing Paul in that way. Because we kind of understand that like he's a guy who's kind of just going along, like daydreaming most of the day. You know, that's not really unique for a main character specifically but I, I thought that it did a really good job starting out but I kind of wanted to ask you off the bat what you thought of the first half hour of this movie because in my opinion the first half hour was very slow moving because we didn't really get a huge grasp on who Paul was other than possibly being a distracted protagonist in a way what what did you think about the beginning of the movie kind of specifically like setting up where the rest of it's going to go I think it genuinely does an incredible job this movie probably one of my biggest compliments to it is its beats its scene changes its shifts and sort of where the story is going 
And the first half hour really does a good job of setting that up because everything in that first half hour is total. It seems incredibly believable. It seems sort of realistic. Um, not sort of realistic, very realistic. Like it doesn't feel like a forced love narrative. Like we get a lot, like that's kind of the driving thing for the whole movie. It's what it's the first action he takes where we get sort of off the rails and it's, pushing him forward to do things in the movie in the beginning. I totally I think feel it does. That. A, yeah. I think it does a very good job of that. Do you, do you think that I think we're probably going to butcher the names of the, of the women in this one, because he meets like several, um, several women throughout the night and all of them are like kind of similar, but not really. Do you think, uh, I'm pretty sure Marcy was the first one. Do you think she was, I felt like she was kind of the oddest out of all the, um, women he encountered in the movie. You know, the, uh, the, the waitress like didn't seem like super off. And then, um, Kevin McAllister's mom towards the end, I thought was like really funny adding to it but like yeah. marcy like um so he when he storms out of the apartment it's because he was just kind of making her feel uncomfortable with like the boyfriend story and the the wizard of oz surrender dorothy story and like all that stuff i felt like i felt like although the first half hour was slow moving i didn't quite understand what was going on it kind of set up the rest of the odd tone of the movie because i think odd is the best way to describe it no yeah no odd is a very good way to describe sort of what goes on in the movie. And honestly, it seems kind of like in a, a very good realm of believability where he's he really doesn't really, you know, care too much about her. Like, let's be honest, it looks like his whole sort of um direction is, you know, he wants to sleep with her. Yeah. Right? Like that, that's that's his direction. That's what is motivating him in the story. And so it's kind of like we sweep under the rug that that sort of section of it, just as sort of he does, we accept as an audience, okay, this is what he needs to go do for the movie to have any action in it. This is what we, this needs to happen for the plot to actually exist. And so just like he doesn't really acknowledge any of that weird stuff right off the bat, he, we do the same thing. And that really, I think sets the tone for what we see throughout is this just chaotic, <laughs> things keep happening <laughs> yeah man well i'd say he doesn't i he doesn't really flip that switch until like a good 45 hour into the movie when you're already on like the downslope. you know what i mean and then once once he starts wanting to go home it's really his only motivation for the rest of the night so um kind of like like compared to um, uh, a story like the odyssey or a story like the wizard of oz how do you feel it stacks up to like creating odd characters in an odd world did it kind of make soho feel like this mystical place to you yeah 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 that's oh, that's that's a good deduction there lucky boy <laughs> um well just kind of i didn't even think about that if you like go look at the wizard of oz it's kind of like meeting these new sort of characters that are kind of primary to the plot. It's very systematic, you know? She's just walking along the yellow brick road, discovering this character. You know, it's the scarecrow, then the... Is it the lion? And then the tin man? Sure. <laughs> Either way, they all have that very systematic, here's one, an event, here's the next, an event, here's the next. So they finally get to Oz. And this is kind of similar, but it's with sort of these women that seem to get more and more chaotic. They get more and more out there in terms of believability. 
and they, they kind of get funnier and funnier as you go. It's sort of, you know, he meets one, things don't go according to plan. He meets another that is sort of like a saving grace, and then it's not. And then he meets, then more events happen, then he meets the other. So I, I think it does a very good job because it's, it's pretty funny how, especially by the time, like the last, or I'd say the second to last, no, I'd say the last two, women that he meet it's it's kind of like this guy is just every woman wants this guy yeah, <laughs> like, he wants nothing to do with it he just wants yeah. to go home and that, that that's like kind of the torture of it is in the beginning that's all he's after and then by the end of it it's like that's all he can get but that's the last thing he wants yeah exactly <laughs> while while we're kind of on the odd tone and how it gets progressively funnier as the movie goes on. How do you feel about the comedy in general? Because when we saw the description of it, um, it was defined as like a black comedy, which is kind of like more existential in a way, making fun of like, not not like slapstick comedy at all or anything. Did you have any like thoughts on the actual comedy aspect of it? Because I don't think I was like really laughing out loud at any point in the movie, but it's still, like, very comedic just the way that everyone interacts with each other. Like, when he orders the burger and coffee and then dips out of the joint and then he goes back in, like, two hours later and the guy just puts it down like he's been waiting for him to come back. Yeah, like, this movie is a great study in irony. Um, but I kind of have to agree with that. It, it doesn't... I often feel a lot of times when you get, like, a dark comedy or a black comedy, it feels a lot like, okay, they just added that to say yeah it's funny because i feel like oh you didn't laugh at that you're an idiot yeah it's yeah, i mean yeah. it's oh, not you, really like that you don't like, get it bro are, are you're not on the right level of us bro this is my comedy bro <laughs> uh, you, oh you just don't get it man yeah. it's like it's like no it's kind of clear like the, the joke with the when he first went to marcy's apartment with all the doorbells like I get that. Like, that's hilarious, and that's something that I definitely would believe seeing in New York. I, because just, <laughs> have you seen the housing? Like, it's like, <laughs> having been in New York, that's something I would believe and would make me laugh and be like, this is ridiculous. Um, the coffee thing is another good thing, where it's like that huge irony of he just sort of does it to get out of that awkward conversation of saying, no, I don't actually have money. But then it kind of turns around and he actually gets served that food. I really didn't find myself laughing out loud at a lot of those jokes. Like the one joke I distinctly remember laughing uh, very hard to was when uh, Marcy's roommate, was it June? The, the first uh, uh, artist we meet, right? That was June. I think she, uh, what happens when she gets tied up by Cheech and Chong, and then he's like, what, did sailors tie these knots? <laughs> like, that scene made me die laughing. I have come here to... Ooh, Nashy Boy, my internet went out. It looks like it's gonna be as hard for us to finish this review as it was for our boy to get home on that night, dude. That was the worst joke I have ever heard, and I feel ashamed for being a part of it. <laughs> Damn, I thought of it like 10 minutes after the internet went out, and I was waiting to say it. <laughs> you couldn't come up with anything better, friend. <laughs> Speaking of jokes, were you saying something about your favorite joke in the movie? <laughs> yeah, so that joke where, where she's all tied up, and you know, he's like, what, did sailors tie you up? Like that was absolutely hilarious. 
because it was just super complex and I didn't know what to do. But that was really like one of the only times in the movie where I was like laughing out loud. The other times I was just kind of nod. Say, yep. <laughs> Honestly, I totally agree with you, though. And I feel like that's the level of comedy that it's almost going for. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel. Do you think Martin Scorsese is a funny guy? You think people invite him over to like wine night because they know he's going to be like cracking jokes the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me no, but I mean, it, it it is there are it is like. I just feel like more often than not, when something says dark comedy or black comedy, it's lazy. It's just to like say I'm not saying this movie is lazy because it really isn't. But it's like it's almost to say the comedy is lazy in it because it, it can be it can like, be a cop out is is what you're saying essentially. And I, I'm not to say that it's necessarily a bad thing, but I feel like that's the most consistent thing. Like probably the the best example um, is probably the funniest black comedy there is. Um, the Room, like that movie is utterly hilarious, <laughs> but it had in development it had zero intent to be funny it was only funny because of just how horrible it was and that's what it ended up being so it's like if you take the best example of that and that's how they came to defining that movie then you gotta kind of ask yourself well anything that's kind of pulling from the similar realm of that probably follows suit in a way where it's not really that funny it's just sort of like yeah this is this type of movie it's you know do you think it has to be inherently bad things happening or is it just kind of like 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 is it like a kind of like a, a meta almost type of comedy to you or do you think it's more kind of like has to be like a little raunchy or like pushing the boundaries in some way like I almost don't even know how to define that kind of comedy. Hey, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm having trouble pulling examples. Yeah, no, it is I think really hard to describe like it it uses sort of almost strict sarcasm and irony um mixed with the heavy dose of satire like it it doesn't look to make you like have a knee slapping laugh it's it's almost like trying to be a pretentious type of comedy and that like i i i get that some movies are really good at it some movies are really bad at it um but more often than not i feel like it's just sort of a cop out for it and it's not to say that, oh, they just didn't get that joke. It's like, no, I feel like I got probably 90% of the jokes that were made. They're kind of blatant in this movie. It's just like their level of comedy isn't going to be as funny as, you know, an actual comedy movie. But then again, I don't think it's really what they're focusing on here. It's it's kind of like bastardizing the word comedy almost, where it's like, yeah, it'll make you laugh. There'll be some funny moments in it, but that's not why you're here to watch it. And it begs the question, okay, why am I here to watch it? <laughs> so relate all of that specifically to After Hours for me. Like, I, I know that you like the movie, but when you think about it in that way, does it kind of put a bad taste in your mouth for what they were going for? Like, like because the way you just described that kind of made it sound like you just hate this movie on the basis that it exists. You know what I mean? I get what you're saying, and I really don't hate the movie. It's just sort of... If you're looking, if you're trying to watch this movie for laughs, it's probably not what you'll end up with. It's really probably getting at something bigger. It's, you're more of exploring the sort of poetic, you know, trans of this guy 
just this normal guy in New York trying to get a piece. That's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, that sounds pretty funny. It sounds like there's a lot of setups for it to be funny, but it, it very vaguely yeah. revolves around that in a way you'd expect. I totally agree with it. I think I think that's a really good point. I didn't really consider that when I was like analyzing the movie. Almost, it's like, um, like what? It's like <laughs> what bound what boundaries do you think it's pushing in, in in that way? You know, like because because this is definitely considered a better film of that genre for sure. I mean, it's pretty much everywhere that I've seen that I've read about like this movie when I was trying to kind of come up with my thoughts was it was that this is one of Scorsese's best films, but one of his least talked about films. So does After Hours kind of do anything for you to fix that in any way? Like, I almost feel like if it's kind of almost like croupier last week, right? Where we, we were like, if you look at this movie as a bank heist, then it's a bad movie borderline. Do you think if you look at this movie to make you laugh, like, I don't know, Step Brothers is the most egregious example I can think compared to After Hours? I have come here <laughs> It didn't just happen again. So anyway, Nash, if you look at this movie in the way of like a straight comedy, like Step Brothers, for example, the most egregious example I can think of, similar to croupier last week looking at it as a bank heist movie isn't really the way to look at it do you think you won't enjoy this movie if you're expecting those deep belly laughs you know because i feel like it's really good at what it does but the way you're describing black comedy kind of just sounds like if you go into it looking for it to like be the funniest thing you've ever seen you're really not going to enjoy it i I'm, i got a lot of questions about this genre you know what i mean like i'm not quite sure where to pin down this genre of film no i i think that's how what i would say about it is if you're looking for those deep laughs you're probably not going to find it in this movie if you want to have uh if you want to watch a relaxing funny comedy this probably isn't the one to watch <laughs> not to say it's a bad movie it's just that expectation that you set for it it's going to be a lot differently. And hearing that it was a black comedy before we started recording, I was definitely in that mindset of, okay, I'm not expecting like slapstick, but it should make me laugh. And really it was only that one joke. So do you, do you hold that against the film then that like, it's more of like a chuckle humor of the situation type deal? I don't know. It's really hard. Cause it's like, I, I do like the movie. I think it's really cool. I don't think you could have it in a different type of setting. You know, I don't think you could not have it in. Not have it be a black comedy, but I don't. It's very hard to place because like that whole the whole plot wouldn't work if it wasn't like that. Yeah, no, exactly, dude. Exactly. But to the effects of being an actual comedy, I you know, I don't know how successful that is. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's almost like this kind of weird in in between film in in a way. And I definitely think it's masterfully done for what it was going for. But I, I totally hear you on like not having it sit well with you at the end of the movie, which also probably just goes to the tone of the whole thing and what uh, Scorsese was going for anyway. You know what I mean? This movie was like low key, very similar to croupier last week in the way it makes you feel by the end of it, you know? Yeah, it does have a weird sort of empty feeling. 
Yeah. Did you enjoy the ending? I thought it was hilarious, dude. I actually really liked the ending of this movie. I did like the ending where he just It's, it's funny that I just said it's work. hilarious after that whole conversation with about comedy, but I yeah. didn't think it was pretty funny. Well, that's the thing. I didn't, I didn't laugh at the ending, but I was like, huh, yeah, I ended up right where he started. That's <laughs> irony for you. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I feel like a film professor is watching this movie like, perfect. <laughs> like, got a tweed jacket and a smoking pipe uh, on. Well, I'm laughing at it as an imbecile, just going like, yeah, that was... That's what happened. <laughs> nah, dude, but, I, to- I totally feel you on like the the point you're making that like it's it it definitely couldn't be everybody's cup of tea, right? Yeah, like honestly, God, I felt like I was straight up watching The New Yorker for two hours. <laughs> I mean, essentially, and, it is, and that it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just sort of like if you're going to say this is the funniest movie of all time, I'm probably going to say you're one of the most pretentious people of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, I don't know, dude. I don't know. Because after we watched it yesterday, I told you, dude, I have no idea what I want to talk about for this movie. And while we were doing our notes beforehand, I have no idea what I want to talk about for this movie. And now that we're kind of getting into it, I feel like the point really remains that like, it is just this kind of weird meta adventure through the night that feels so surreal. It's almost like a dream. It's definitely like a dream. Like, have you ever had one of those dreams where like you're trying to get something or get somewhere and there's just always something stopping you. And it's like really annoying. That's exactly what this movie is, you know? And yeah by nature that's almost something that's unsatisfying you know what i mean because like even like uh like an hour and 20 minutes into it when he was having like her chase him around the ice cream truck i was like oh my god i just wanted to get home dude. yeah I just, right i feel so bad i just want him to be home <laughs> it really does feel like that disturbing type of dream especially with how he meets the other characters like it it's like a more organized dream but it definitely has that almost sort of like hellish feel or like just being trapped like that even though nothing really bad happens to him per se it seems like he's always at the butt end of the exchange yeah dude how do you to elaborate you said the word hell to elaborate off the hell um how did did you enjoy like those i think i kind of already asked you about like the comparing it to like the odysseus adventure and stuff but like in terms of like mythological like epic journeys of sorts did you like the way that scorsese kind of broke it down into realistic things in our life like we like he he doesn't necessarily meet monsters and dragons he just meets all these different women and really none of them are like evil like at all you know they're 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 not like witches or giant monsters or anything bad they all just like have their own stuff going on and really only the last one kevin McAllister's mom is the only one who has any malice towards him even though it's kind of misplaced oh it was also hilarious when he watched the woman shoot the guy in the window and he was like i'm probably gonna get blamed for that too. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that yeah was a funny one he's just like better get out of dodge at that point <laughs> yeah so like did you so w- without taking like the black comedy aspect out of it and everything like did you like how it was kind of a condensed down realistic version of an epic journey like that i i really think i did enjoy that epic journey of it um just because he's got to make it out at some point and the, the, i think the biggest divider of it between being an epic journey is like there's really nothing he learns or gains from doing it it's just kind of like 
Yeah, man, you went to the place oh. you didn't know about, and you Yo, got burned. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there really isn't. Is there too much of a moral behind the story? I'm not sure. Yeah, like I, I gotta ask you: Do you think this guy is like? Do you think he's a bad guy? Do you think he's dumb? Like, well, like, do you think he's in the wrong? N- Yes and no. I feel like there's certain points in the night where he is having things blamed upon him. But then when you look at like how everything with Marcy, the first girl ends up going like it's it's super similar to to our conversation about Croupier last week where like he emphasis isn't put on his emotions around it. He just wants to get home almost like he's not processing any of it. Uh, and until he can like slow down for a second, you know, like even when he finds out that bartender Tom um, is Marcy's boyfriend and he's freaking out because she she um killed herself. He's like, like, oh, of course, of course, you know, it's not yeah. like uh, him feeling sad, him feeling down. He like is so distraught that it happened more of like, a, of course, this is how my night is going. I just want to get home. And then maybe when he gets home, he can kind of like sit back and think about what really happened, you know? Yeah, he can just sort of escape from it. I will say, it probably the most important thing we've brought up, hearkening back to the fact that he sort of swept under the details that she alluded to that were like, okay, maybe she's a little off, maybe the situation is a bit more sketchy than it, than it is. Those kind of, that moment sort of comes back, back to bite him with her suicide, you know, like like ignoring those sort of red flags, I guess you'd call them, ends up being sort of her demise and his antithesis, I guess, is being chased and accused of these things when he really was sort of like a side character in all of these other people's stories. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a, that, that's a really good point. So to, to, yeah, to, to go back to your question, I'm not sure how accountable I hold him because it's, it's not so much that I think he's dumb, but I think I think that first scene really defines his character pretty well of how he's the guy's talking about his magazine and he could not give a shit about this guy. And he's kind of just like zoning out, thinking about what he's going to do that night. And then he's just like reading in the diner and he, he seems all over the place. So it, it's almost like a distracted character or kind of like a, just a person in all of these other character stories. That's a really good way to put it, which again, Again, I feel like just goes towards the end of the movie and you having the feeling just be like, oh, geez. Like, what was the line where she's like, art is like a prolonged spit in the face or something? Yeah. Do, do, do you want to kind of elaborate on that? I feel like that was a pretty meta thing to say for what the movie is trying to accomplish. Yeah, and it kind of feels like that because in terms of it being like an odyssey, he doesn't ever have like a moment of enlightenment, a moment of clarity. It's just sort of he keeps doing the same thing where I just want to get out of here. People tell him something. He doesn't necessarily listen. And it sort of helps him progress, but it ends up keeping him there. Sort of like uh, the guys that talk about the break ins in the building. That ends up being sort of a catalyst for him being accused of being the guy breaking into the building because he's not familiar or like when he is trying to escape the artist's house that the last artist we meet. Um, her apartment when he's trying to escape and he pulls a bunch of plaster on himself because he didn't listen to her when she said, no, that's not a way oh, out. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, no, like, that's a... But he's so concerned with just trying to get out, he doesn't really care about any of that. 
while while we're on the plaster stuff um did did you did you like the connections between like the screen painting or i even feel like the fact that he got encased in like that um sculpture at the end could have been related to like kind of the whole mythology mythology of like the odyssey and things like that How, where did you place kind of like the paper mache stuff i thought it was super random <laughs> it, it definitely felt random um but I think looking at it now in sort of a bigger context, it's sort of what did that him being encased in plaster do to him at the very end? It took him out of agency. So he stopped doing things. He was literally incapable of doing anything. And it was the own characters in this wacky story that eventually got him out. It wasn't him doing anything. It was these other people that seemed to keep him inside when he was removed from being able to take action, he was actually able to escape. And te technically, Cheech and Chong didn't even let him out of the truck. The door just opens and he falls out. Yeah, it definitely throws in a, a bit of fate in there for you. T t tickles the fancy with the fate. It tickles the fancy with the fate, dude. Um, I don't know, dude. I I like this movie. I think it's really well made. But again, I feel like it's just kind of supposed to be a prolonged spit in the face now Now that I remember that line. So I guess hats off to you, Scorsese, for wasting our time, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> hat, hat, hats off, I guess. Yeah, because it's like the... Everything is really incredible about it. It's got very yeah. good beats. It's got very good acting. It's got very good direction. The plot comes together very well but am i left with like being satisfied having watched it i think so yeah but i'm not sure you know it might be helpful give it a rating out of 10 give it a rating out of 10 for me i'll try to come up with one too I think it's above a seven, but below a eight. So I hate when people do like the points for numbers because then it just makes it like a ridiculous scale. But I'd say it's like it's like a seven and a half for me, almost an eight, like closer to an eight than a seven. I think. Yeah, I think what? I I think I give it a seven out of ten. Yeah, seven out of ten. It's definitely not a six. To me, a six is a bad movie, in my opinion. If if you're yeah. rating a movie a six, not a good movie. And I, you know, it's but if you compare it to six, I think it deserves more than being a rank above a bad movie for me. You know, so I think that's why I lean more towards eight because I I, I want to put respect on the name because yeah 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 what i've learned doing the show is that you have to understand what the director was going for in order to really understand the film and so i even heard some sound bites of scorsese talking about this film saying that for him um the movies he was making um kind of felt like they were burning out a little bit and like the studios didn't want them anymore so he kind of felt like he wanted to go back to film school is how he put it and kind of like restart and try to do something that's a little bit more existential and like filmography type you know blah 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 um yeah so when i think about it like that i like i want to put respect on the name of after hours because a lot of people like this movie and i think for really good reason and it's definitely worth your time but now that we're having a conversation about it and after the movie i definitely feel like it low-key wasn't you know what i mean dude i feel yeah. so weird about this movie <laughs> no exactly like i'm not trying to step on anybody's toes either but it's gonna be really hard for somebody else to convince me that it's funny because you can't be technical about that you can't you can't explain the joke to me 
any more than I understand it and have me appreciate it more. Like dissecting a joke. I forget who said the quote. I may have said it on here before, but by dissecting a joke is a lot like dissecting a frog. The frog dies in the end. <laughs> yeah, like, so, so you nah. can't you can't really make me appreciate the comedy of it any more than I already do. Because I'm fairly certain I understood the comedy pretty well. It's just it really wasn't there. It's like the plot's there, settings there, you know, the lighting is there, the scene is there. It's got very good, you know, pace for it. But why? <laughs> Well, I think this is totally the point, though. You know, I think this is the way this conversation is supposed to go as to where you're kind of just feeling like how he feels, dude. Like you're on this long adventure and by the end of it, you're just sitting back down in your desk and we can get some cool shots going around the the office, you know? You know, yeah. it's so in, in that regard, it's definitely masterfully made. Right. If if you look at yeah. it in that way, I think he really just proved why he's one of the greatest directors ever, because even when he doesn't do a, a, a Goodfellas movie, you know, you can look at like like even, we did Cape Fear and I, we love that movie. But like like w- like he has such a wide range. And this is another movie I feel like that kind of just proves that if he puts his mind on the idea, then he can execute it in a visual form almost yeah i mean it's kind of like when i try to think about like like this movie i don't think is a cult classic i just don't think there's enough traffic about it honestly i never heard about it and i was surprised it was directed by scorsese exactly and when i compare it to like another movie that was a cult classic and now is kind of breached mainstream like the big lebowski right Mm -hmm. like it makes perfect sense why that movie was a cult classic because when you see it it's very funny. <laughs> like, yeah. it, and almost anybody can watch that movie and laugh consistently throughout it because the situations that those people are in and the people themselves are very funny to watch. But in this movie, it's not like that. It doesn't have that, oh, this is good and different. It's It's got the, this is good and it's different. <laughs> I know it sounds the exact same, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you're you're just holding some um some anger towards the film kids who are just gonna be like, this is the greatest film of all time. <laughs> I, I am. I honest to God think that I am because it's like, yeah, it's a good movie, but I don't want to chalk it up for being more than it is. And I feel like most people would chalk it up as more than it is because of the director. And I'm saying, no, this director is one of the greatest of all time. So if anything, I'm going to chalk it down when it doesn't meet an expectation because he should know what he's doing. And he does know what he's doing. It's just the content of this doesn't have enough to make me say, yeah, this is his best work. No, I, 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 I totally feel that. I totally feel that. So I I almost feel like it's it's a bit of a double edge uh, double edged sword, a coin, whatever whatever the the expression is. You Two know, sides like, of a double edged coin sword. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean by that? Like, yeah, y- you got to put respect on the name, but at the same time, you can look at it in that different type of way, bro. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it, but it's not a feeling of wanting to watch it again and again and again. I also feel like it would be a good movie to watch a second time and probably pick up on things a little bit better now that you kind of get the gist of what's going to happen, you know? Yeah, I definitely would, because there are points where it's very fast-paced, and those moments, I think, probably do deserve a rewatch. But um, I don't think it's a bad movie. 
I know I may just be ranting off a lot, and it sounds like I, I think it's a bad movie, but I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's very well made in every regard. It's just the actual sort of meat of it, the content itself is kind of... There's, there's some lacking there. Can't deny me that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you, honestly. Um, but, I mean, I like, I... I I wouldn't doubt why this is someone's favorite movie, though, in in the same aspect, you know, like I think there's a difference between looking at it in like a really pretentious way and just looking at it because you would just enjoy these characters in this goofy world, you know? Yeah, this goofy version of goofy version of Soho. Yeah, definitely. Got anything else or am I going to am I going to wrap it up? Uh, you might have to wrap it up. I'm uh, to be honest with you, we, uh, we had to stop three times, so I kind of forget the first fifteen minutes of this movie because it was so long ago. But yeah. I, I think <laughs> I think we we made our points like pr- pretty well. I I like this movie. I would recommend for people to watch it. But very similar to Croupier, you might finish it and kind of just like scratch your head and be like, "That was fun. I think I enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, that was that was good. I think." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so after hours hits with the word surreal and doesn't ever let go of it the stark comedy isn't one of scorsese's most well-known movies and it certainly is out there compared to many of his other films what this movie does is draw you in with the familiar and consistently gives you an edgy feeling knowing that nothing is going according to plan and can't end in satisfaction It is a constant chase with pacing that pauses and continues the audience's attention to be perfectly in sync with the beat of the story. Why isn't it hugely popular? If I had to guess, it's because a lot of the actual comedy seems like it's an inside joke. There are a lot of jokes within that seem universal for people to find, but often the mood is backdropped with life in New York that might not be caught on well or accepted by every audience member. It's easy to make me laugh, personally, and I found laughing out loud like maybe at two scenes during the whole movie. Um, and that's kind of the whole feel of it. Whereas the other jokes is just like, <laughs> yeah, in agreement to what happens. It's style and direction is impeccable, but the actual meat of the film falls a little short of saying this is a must watch for everyone. So, uh, with I idea. think, I th- yeah. well I I just just to build off that uh, a little bit I think that last part is really what defines it is that I don't think it's a must watch for everyone but it's a must watch for some of your friends you know you know it, it, it's one of those movies where don't put it on for every single person because you know it it might come off in a way that's like not what you're expecting but there's definitely people out there that will want to see this movie so you kind of got to figure it out for yourself man yeah, I feel like this movie is going to be a it's a crowd splitter. Like there are people are either going to love it or hate it. Yeah. When they I see agree. it. Um and I think we just awkwardly fell in the middle because I think we notified the good but recognized the bad. And uh with that being said, we want to thank <laughs> you for know, joining tonight. Uh, but wait, wait, honestly though, man, like what? I wouldn't I wouldn't hold myself to any opinion I had in this movie because I was so good, like weird while watching it, you know what I mean? Like if someone <laughs> is to hold hold me in an opinion I made in this last podcast episode, I honestly like might hear their counter argument and be like, Yeah, you're kinda right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's 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 such it's such a weird movie to almost talk about. And I think that was really just the point, bro. But anyway, let's end the end the goddamn episode. I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
okay, well, uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, I hope his internet goes out. Anyway, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Message us at Midnight Showing Podcast on Instagram or email Midnight Showing with Luke and Nash at gmail.com. Stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and offer suggestions for the movies we watch and the future content that we can bring to you. Be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Our midnight release for next week features Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Popcorn not included. Surrender, Dorothy! <laughs> <laughs>